Welcome to Creeps and Crime Storytime. I'm Charlie. I'm Sophie. And we're here today to tell you about part two of the story of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman. Yes. Um, Sophie's been waiting so long. The wait has been killing me with pain in my heart. And I have so many questions I need answers to. You are such it's a been so gripping troll. I know. <laughs> you suck. <laughs> but the people who are late to me and go, I have been waiting a long time too. And they have been waiting much longer than me. You suck. I do. So the last time we left you, Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman had been missing for 12 days. Mm-hmm. And Ian Hunley and Maxine Carr had been officially questioned by police while their house was searched. They were released and sent to a hotel for the night while the police had control of their house. The search continued to the secondary school where Ian Huntley worked as a caretaker. Police were able to enter the storage unit where they had visited on the first night of their search for the girls, accompanied by Huntley, who claimed not to have a key to get inside. Mm. If you remember the first episode, Ian Huntley's a predatory piece of shit. Mm-hmm, he He's is. moved around from town to town in England, leaving... Like, You've done it for years, haven't you? Yeah, years. Yeah, leaving well just like a string of assault claims and rape claims behind him mm-hmm. wherever he went. But nothing enough ever concrete to actually get him for it. Exactly. Which is the most frustrating thing. So inside this storage hangar, they found all the normal things that you would expect to find in a school storage mm-hmm. unit. So like PE equipment, yeah. chairs, tables, shelving, etc. They also found a metal bin. Or for our American listeners, a trash can. Trash can. Lifting off the lid, they found two partially burned, but still incredibly recognisable Manchester United shirts. Oh, no. Can you stop reading my notes? I'm not reading them. What are you looking at? The mic. The cat hair on the mic. Oh, I thought you were reading my notes. No. (laughs) I can only imagine how the officers on the scene must have felt to open the bin and see that. It must feel sick. Their stomachs must have dropped. Yeah. Because um, it wasn't a graphic discovery. It wasn't no. bloody or gory, but it signaled the worst. And it's heart sinking, yeah. And nobody wanted it. No, not at all. Huntley and Cart were immediately arrested. Good. The following morning, a statement was issued by police to waiting reporters who were hungry for the details on what happened overnight. Of course. Yeah. Quote, over the last few hours, a 28-year-old man and a 25-year-old woman have been arrested, end quote. Wow. So that was all people really got told. Mm. Um, they didn't get told who it was, but everyone knew who it was. They were probably hoping it would be him. Yeah, everyone knew. Well, so most of the investigation so far and its portrayal in the media has been that of a missing persons case. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the longer it's gone on, people were getting more and more concerned that something bad had happened to Holly and Jessica. But a lot of hope was still being held out that they would turn up somewhere, having been injured or run away. Yeah. The country wanted them to come home. And now it hit everyone like a train that this was definitely not going to have a happy ending. People had to face the reality that this was looking very much like a double child murder. The police were no longer looking for living children. No, they... The following day, on the 17th of August, almost two weeks after Holly and Jessica went missing, their bodies were found. It was the discovery that nobody wanted to make, but three people walking in Lake and Heath in Suffolk had to make the call that everyone was hoping would never come. Oh, God. So it's not far away. It's a few miles away. It's So where they were found in Lake and Heath is near one of the Air Force bases. Right, okay. You know, I said that around the surrounding area, there's like some Air Force Mm -hmm. bases where some American 
Avlop as an L stationed. Yeah. So it's near there. Okay. Um, I haven't put it in the notes, but interestingly, Ian Huntley also liked to go plane watching. Oh, cool. So he was familiar with the Air Force bases because he'd watched the planes land. Yeah. And it's just a huge coincidence that the girls are found near an Air Force base. Absolutely. So, yeah, yeah, obviously coincidence. Um, yeah, nothing to do with him being like a predator or anything. Yeah. Keith Pryor was a gamekeeper who tended to some pheasant pens in the area, and the last few days he had noticed what he described as a horrendous smell. Oh, shit. Which is not what you want. It's never good. It's no. not a good thing. Especially um, when you've got a farm guy saying that. Cause then yeah, if you've got smell. like a farm guy saying that there's like missing kids, it's just... It's a bad mix. It's literally the opposite well. of what you want. Mm-hmm. However, he hadn't been able to find anything, so he mm. had noticed the smell the last few days, and he was like, okay, what is going on? But he'd not spotted anything unusual, and he was like, okay, I don't know what this is. Mm. Um, when he came back on the 17th with two friends, a couple called Adrian Lawrence and Helen Sawyer, he came across the source of the odour. Oh, wow, okay. In a drainage ditch near the fourth pheasant pen, they came upon an awful scene. So Adrian was the first to see the girls, and he told his girlfriend Helen not to come any closer and to yeah. go back to their van. Oh, Keith and Adrian edged closer to take a look, just to confirm, mm. and they did indeed confirm the awful truth, and they hurried away to call the police straight away. Keith later told the court that when he saw the girls lying in the ditch, he knew immediately it must be the missing pair from Soham. Police descended on the scene immediately. Mm. I'm going to describe the scene now, and you might want to skip ahead if you don't want to hear details. Because the girls had been missing for 13 days at this point, their bodies were in a fairly advanced state of decomposition. Mm -hmm. Bear in mind, it's August and it's warm. In addition to the decomposition making things a little difficult, the perpetrator had also attempted to burn both bodies. This made sense, as the shirts found in the bin were also partially burned. Mm -hmm. Attending officers noticed that the trees were scorched above the bodies quite high up, which means that for the flames to have reached that high, an accelerant was also most likely used. Officers determining where the girls had come from were able to narrow down the potential paths quite significantly. They found some of Holly's blonde hair caught on the tree branches along the way, which led a macabre trail to where they were eventually found. Working backwards, they found a small dirt road, and there was lots of mud either side, Mm. and police were hoping that tire tracks might come in useful so down this particular road it's very it's very much out of the way if you look in the area around Soham there's a lot of countryside Mm. and this particular place it's very grassy it's very woody it's near an air force base there's like pheasant pens so it's very sort of it's very rural so there's a small dirt road either side of the dirt road there's like really high long grass and the dirt road itself there's a lot of like it's not like mud, but the ground is sort of a bit chalky and a bit cementy because Ooh. people like that are working on farms and stuff, they will dump things by the side of the, the little dirt track. It's kind of like a track. Yeah. Um, and on either side, there's kind of like these high banks of like chalky ground. Ooh. So it's quite distinctive. Mm. And so there was tire tracks on this little dirt road. Mm. And then where the, the little embankments were on either side, you could see where bits had been knocked off, where cars had driven. Oh, cool. Um, so people were hoping, like the police were hoping that that would help point towards who it was if they could find a car mm. that matched Does with that. Does someone own a car? Exactly. Yeah. Yes. Do we, do we find out what car that we is? We do. So... <laughs> 
Because obviously this was the biggest case in the UK at the time. The forensic personnel mm-hmm. were brought in so quickly. Mm-hmm. So they didn't waste any fucking time. Oh, no. A botanist called Patricia Wiltshire in particular Ooh. was brought in who had worked on several prolific UK cases. Mm-hmm. And she conducted teams doing fingertip searches in the area, which is where you are literally on your hands and knees. Yeah. With your, your hands on the... And you are ser- physically searching every single... Yeah every single inch and she was able to deduce the time that the girls had been there from the damage to the nettles nearby so whoever brought the girls had obviously walked through the undergrowth and trampled on the nettles and she could tell by how the nettles were regrowing from being trampled yeah she estimated it that had happened about two weeks ago so the girls had been there for almost the entire length of time that they've been gone yeah The discovery of the girls having been killed was on the front page of every newspaper in the country. Mm -hmm. It felt as though the UK had lost their children. The nation was grieving along with the devastated parents of Holly and Jessica. They were conclusively identified through DNA and the announcement was made publicly. Mm -hmm. A memorial service held shortly afterwards at the Eli Cathedral was attended by about 2,000 people. A memorial book online was created for people to sign and it quickly amassed over 31,000 messages of condolences. On the 23rd of August, football clubs around the country held a minute's silence for their fallen young fans. And this included Manchester United, their favourite team, who played that day. And when David Beckham scored his first goal of the match, he dedicated it to the young girls. He also had flowers sent to their private funerals. So David Beckham was a fucking boss about this. He, he was. was so thoughtful. Yeah, it wasn't just performative, you know. No, oh, he's yeah, he's done a lot that. of work for charity. He's really good. And he's done a lot of things as well for the Make-A-Wish Foundation. And he's, he yeah. like, for his whole career, he's really given a shit about giving back to communities. And mm. especially, like, children who need help. Yeah. He's very big about that. And I think at this time his estimation went up in a lot of people's eyes. He wasn't just like a yeah. cocky young footballer. Like mm-hmm. he really gave yeah. a shit. Um, and especially as well, like as captain of the England team, like football's a huge deal in England. And for the captain yeah. of the national team to really get... Invested in it emotionally. Yeah, yeah. so it, it, that was a big deal. A coroner's inquest was done on the bodies of the two girls. So mm-hmm. pathologist David Morris testified that both bodies were partially skeletonized and no exact cause of death could be determined due to this. So whatever had killed them seemed likely to be damaged to their soft tissue, meaning after it decomposed, it was therefore untraceable. Mm-hmm. Morris did state that he believed the most likely cause of death for both girls was asphyxiation. Mm-hmm. He also testified that he did not believe the girls had died at this location where they were discovered and that they had in fact been placed there shortly after their deaths. This matches very closely with the findings made by the botanist Patricia Wiltshire. Mm. So it definitely seems as though the girls were asphyxiated, they passed away, then they were brought to this location and left there after their deaths. After the inquest, the funerals were held privately, attended only by family and friends. They are actually buried next to one another which is precious and in accordance with the family's wishes no media were present for the funeral that's good i'm glad on the 26th of august something really shitty happened this doesn't really have anything to do with the bearing on the case i just want to mention it okay so birmingham cathedral had a book of condolences for holly and jessica which had hundreds of messages of support for the girls and their families Mm -hmm. this book was one of five put out on display by the cathedral for members of the public to sign and they were going to be bound into one large volume and sent to the vicar of the Soham parish where they then could be passed on to the families as a gift from the people of birmingham 
Witnesses said that they saw a man acting strangely oh, on no. the day the book was stolen. No, no. So this book of condolences was stolen That's by so some fucking asshole. And it's just abhorrent that someone would steal something like that. It, there's no financial the value to this. It's literally What's just fucking with the What's parents the of two dead children. And there are just some sick fucks out there. Was this so, ever found? I don't think so. What? I don't think so. So, like, this has no bearing on the case itself. It's just really messed up and I wanted to include it's it. It's severely messed up. I'm glad you mentioned that. Yeah, it's messed. It's fucked up. No, that that can't go without consequence. Yeah. That's disgraceful. I couldn't really find much else about this. It's really weird how it's not yeah. talked about. I know. That's so illegal and immoral. Gross. It's pretty nasty. Vile. What, what does anyone gain from stealing that? Exactly. Seriously. This is what I mean. Some people are just sick fucks and they get off on causing or contributing to the misery of other people. Mm-hmm. And do. there's no other there's no other way to explain it. Nope. So while Britain was mourning the loss of Holly and Jessica, the police were hard at work on Huntley and Carr. Mm. After the shirts were found and the pair were arrested, they hauled Ian Huntley back into the interview. Interview? Interview room. <laughs> Fuck, I just combined those two words for no reason. <laughs> So this time, he is no longer in his own clothes, but dressed in a prison jumpsuit. And he looks like crap. (laughs) All the bravado and swagger from his national TV appearances was gone. And instead of appearing helpful to the police, he was totally fucking useless. (laughs) He He was twitchy and nervous and kept telling the police that he didn't know anything. He pretended to be mentally ill. Yeah, he probably peed himself. So he appeared. I didn't hear anything about peeing himself, but he did did appear to be detached at times and would just sit there with his mouth open, drooling, hoping for the best. Yeah. So the police knew that he was bullshitting them, but they had to refer (laughs) him to get a psychological evaluation anyway. Yeah. I mean. So yeah. Understood. Yeah. Just you're not mentally ill. Fuck (laughs) off. Yeah. Basically. Explain yourself, you little weirdo. Yeah. So Maxine Carr did not hold up quite so well to police interrogation. It turned out that some of her friends had seen her on the news and said that actually she wasn't at home cooking for Ian Huntley the night that Holly and Jessica went missing like she said. She was actually miles away at a party in Grimsby with them, which she apparently crashed. So that meant that Huntley's alibi was fucked. Mm. She had lied to cover for him. Yeah. And he's going to be relying on this to not be debunked so quickly. Exactly. So the story that she told them now is pretty weird. Mm. She said that she got a phone call from Ian while she was back in Grimsby, shortly after the girls had gone missing, but before she got home. She told the police that he said, quote, the thing is, Maxine, they came in our house, end quote. That's ominous. Yeah. Yeah. So Maxine Carr said that Ian Huntley called her right after the girls had vanished and told her that they came round to their house. The story she relayed was that Ian Huntley then told her that Holly had a nosebleed and they came inside so that she could take care of it. He said that Jessica sat on their bed as he helped Holly with her nose and then both girls left and he never saw them again. He then made a reference to one of the rapes that he was accused of in 1998, saying that he didn't want the same thing to happen again. This conversation is what led her to make a false alibi for him because she didn't want him to be stressed out. She didn't want him to be stressed out. Yeah. So he was freaking out, saying to her, oh my God, these girls came round to our house and then now they've gone missing. Everyone's going to think that I did something because, like, I've been accused of rape previously. Mm -hmm. She believed him and then covered for him. 
Mm. I mean, it's difficult because when you're living with that person, it must be exactly. If you're, pressure there yeah, there's a huge safe. pressure there to keep yourself safe. When you're with exactly. someone who's that volatile, there is this huge need to keep them happy all the time. Yeah, as much as it's predictable, it's also unpredictable. Exactly, because anything can make them snap. Yeah, it's taken out on you. Exactly. So, I mean, I think at this point mm-hmm. that she gave the police an alibi for Huntley, mm-hmm. not because. She knew that he killed Holly and Jessica and she wanted to cover it up. Mm-hmm. I think she thought he was innocent and she thought she was helping him. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what I think. I don't think she lied out of malice. No, I think she was just trying to cover for her stupid, abusive boyfriend. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, however, while the pair were being interrogated, the police pulled Huntley's fingerprints from the bin where their burned clothes were found. So he didn't even wear gloves. He just touched it with his hands like a dumbass. They then told Maxine that they had evidence upon evidence explaining what they had on her boyfriend. And at this point in the interrogation, she seemed to realize that her life was in serious turmoil. And she's freaking out. I've heard this clip. And she starts Mm. crying and screaming, no, it can't have been, it can't have been, he hasn't done it. And she's like hysterical. She's like hysterical. Like, and I've seen her in interviews. She doesn't seem like she's that smart she doesn't seem Mm. very bright and i don't think obviously i don't know this woman Mm. but just from seeing her in interviews and seeing that she does seem like she has sort of no offense but fairly low intelligence i don't think she's she would be that good of an actress no like it sounds like she's hysterical yeah like so basically she's told the police the truth i'm doing little air quotes saying that Mm. um he called her and said they were in our house. You need to say you were here. Mm. The police have then said, actually, we have this huge mountain of evidence. It looks like he fucking killed them. Yeah. And then I think the realization, like, holy shit, maybe he did, yeah. hits her all at once. It and she just, has this huge breakdown. Just explode, yeah. yeah. So Ian Huntley was deemed by psychologists to be completely sane and competent to stand trial. This shocked literally nobody because it was terrible (laughs) at faking it. Yeah, I was going to say, absolutely. The shirts went for testing and botanist Patricia Wiltshire got a chance to shine once again, which she's amazing. So despite being quite heavily burned, the shirts had quite a lot of plant material on them. And this was tested and it was shown to be from alder trees, which just so happened to be the trees around the ditch in which the girls were found. So everything is coming together. Everything is is tying together. Mm -hmm. The same type of pollen grains and spores were also found on on fucking hell. (laughs) Also found on Huntley's shoes from the site. A unique blend of pollen and spores that was not characteristic of other sites in the area. Everything was slotting together nicely and the police were beginning to build a picture of what happened to the girls, Mm -hmm. especially once the house was searched in more detail. Mm -hmm. Over 8,000 items were taken from the house and the evidence was stored in a huge warehouse. It was literally like a library, so fully dedicated to the home of Ian Huntley. So there were shelves lined with crates and boxes sorted by the rooms which they were taken from. And there was like signposts for different rooms and shit. Oh my gosh. Yeah, so... It was a trove of... Ew. Why would you even say that? Because they had to put up with it. So, it was a trove of evidence. Amongst the belongings from the house, 49 fibres from the shirts were found on Ian Huntley's stuff. Some of these fibres were even found on the curtains in the home, which led investigators to believe that once the girls were dead, they were wrapped in the curtains and taken away. Mm. Then the curtains were hung back up again afterwards. That's so gross. Yeah. You didn't even wash them. So, without a doubt, this evidence placed the girls in Ian Huntley's house, like without a doubt. In addition to this, there were even more fibers from the shirts found in his car, in the boot of his car. 
Ugh. I hate this guy. Let's say hypothetically that Huntley was telling the truth. The girls briefly came into his house to staunch a nosebleed, and then they left. Yeah. Why would so many shirt fibers be found in the car if they were never there? And his murder goes. This is what I mean. If if the girls only went in the house and then mm-hmm. left again, how would the fibers end up in his car? It doesn't correlate. It doesn't make sense. This evidence blew a huge hole in his ridiculously fake-sounding story. More pieces of the puzzle was coming together now. Mm -hmm. Holly and Jessica had been killed on the same day they went missing. They were killed at the same time. Their bodies were dumped in the ditch by the pheasant pen and burned. They were only partially burned, so perhaps the conditions weren't right for a large fire. Besides... Lots of people think that fire instantly destroys a body, when in reality the temperatures have to be crazy high for people to be cremated. It's likely that the small bodies did not burn as much as Huntley hoped they would, Mm -hmm. and he then removed the shirts as they were still bright red and could easily be seen. He might have also hoped that the bodies being nude might help them decompose quicker if the elements could get to them. Either way, his plan didn't work. The shirts were found where he stuffed them, in his workplace, like a fucking moron, and that meant that everything else could be tied to him as well. Everyone seemed to agree that the murders were not premeditated. He didn't go out of his way to find Holly and Jessica. It just seemed very much to be the wrong place at the wrong time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because they just went to buy sweets. They just went to buy sweets and they walked by his house. So yeah, it's not like he was like stalking them or following them or anything. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like they planned to meet up. Exactly. So, they like police did wonder at the time if they could have planned to meet someone that they met online. Mm-hmm. That was something that was looked into briefly, but then it was dismissed because they had access to Holly's computer mm-hmm. and all of their friends it. were like, no. She just not. plays Neopets. Yeah. That's oh, it. Fucking Neopets. Yeah. Oh, that's a trip. Let us know in the comments if you had a Neopet. Yeah. Oh my god. Send us a link and add us on there because <laughs> we still play. <laughs> Well, I do. I check in now and again. Do you actually? Yeah. I've been on the earpods for years. They are severely hungry. And I... like, your creature is almost skeletal. Oh my god. Really bad. I was like, oh shit. That's like eight years worth of not, you know, having of malnutrition. Sp- a spicy omelette or whatever you feed them. Yeah, those little. Oh yeah, because you could go to the. the there was a dinosaur thing with the egg and you could get it was really fun. a bit yeah. of omelette from mm-hmm. it. Yeah, I remember that. It was nice. I always went to the soup kitchen because I was poor. Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, so yeah, they didn't meet anyone online. Um, aside from the shirt fibers, mm. there was more evidence to be found on the car. So remember we said the girls were taken to the ditch via a dirt road? Yeah. Well, the edges of the dirt road had some fairly high muddy banks on either side. Mm. So any car would definitely be covered in clumps of dirt from driving through here. Mm. Police officers who viewed some of the newspaper photos, you know, because like Ian Huntley was like publishing himself an awful lot. He was. Showing Huntley with his car. Oh and the God. tires looked especially clean and new. Aww. And they were like, hmm, why has your car got like a new set of tires, Mr. Huntley? Yeah. And it turns out that very shortly after... After the girls were taken, Ian Huntley got himself a brand new set of all four tyres for his car. Great. How coincidental is that? <laughs> right? Very coincidental. So thanks to police seizing that fucking car, they had a good peek up in the wheel wells by the suspension. Yeah, I was going to say underneath. Yeah. And it turns out the underneath was caked in dirt. The location of the dirt on the car perfectly matched with where it would have ended up if that car had been driven down that specific road. Amazing. Not only that, but they tracked down the old tyres and yeah. found the exact same type of dirt and chalk on the tyres as was present on this particular road. Brilliant. So they fucking were like, you did this. And you know you did this. And you know you did this. So just fucking say it. So Ian looked as though he would not be getting out of police custody anytime soon. Good. Things were adding up and they looked 
really bad for him. Mm. Although nobody could quite figure out exactly why he attacked Holly and Jessica that day or exactly what happened. The thing is, if you look Mm. at his previous crimes, it does seem to be very impulsive. Like if he loses his temper, he's in a bad mood, he gets rejected. He sees like a child he finds attractive. He seems to just go for it he doesn't really have any control he's over like, his I want impulse it, take it. yeah so it literally could just be that he saw them that day and that mm-hmm. was and that was all it took yeah exactly that's what i think really yeah so while ian and maxine were in jail separately obviously mm. she wrote him a lot of letters mm. she still clearly felt incredibly attached to him yeah and we aren't just talking a couple of pages. These were novellas that she was sending to this guy. Oh, yeah. She clearly was having a hard time accepting that her boyfriend was responsible. However, her being in jail gave her some time alone yeah. and space that she desperately needed. I don't think she ever would have been able to leave Huntley by herself. She was too attached to him, too dependent and too controlled. Mm-hmm. However, like we said, being in prison, she was forced to be away from him. Yeah. And she was able to get back to herself. It's kind of like I imagine if you come off drugs and you go through the withdrawal period and then you you sort of, it's once it's all out of your system, you're like, oh shit, I actually didn't need that. Yeah, And she is realizing, oh shit, I didn't actually need that. Mm. Um, she began to emotionally distance herself from Ian Huntley. Okay. And four months into her stint in jail, she took a step for herself. Mm. She wanted to save herself just because... Just because he had been able to control her while they lived together, mm. why should she still be under his control while he was in prison? Yeah. Why should her life be ruined for something that he did? Exactly, yeah. You, you didn't. You had ties to him you didn't really want in the first place. Exactly. You're trying to constantly escape. And exactly. And now is the best time to do it. Exactly. So by December, she broke up with him via a letter. So it seems that Ian Huntley did not take this very well. Now that he didn't control Maxine, he didn't control anything at all. Mm -hmm. He was just a sad, shitty little man in a prison cell. There were no children around for him to groom or young women for him to manipulate. Mm -hmm. Six months later, he had a seizure in his cell and he slipped into a coma. It seemed as though he tried to overdose, although he couldn't even kill himself properly and he (laughs) ended up surviving his attempt. I don't feel sorry for him at all. Not really. No. No. Not at all. So after this happened, his narrative changed significantly. He seemed to realize that he couldn't lie himself out of this situation. And unlike previous charges of assault and rape, which had gone away, Mm. this was not going away. There is no way that this was being swept under the rug. Mm -hmm. He had managed to... He put himself in this situation, first by killing two children, Mm -hmm. but then by putting himself in the spotlight... Yeah, like literally so much, and as well, like before this, like unfortunately, the attacks on the young women and the grooming of the girls in Grimsby was not big news, Mm -hmm. which is terrible. The fact that these things can happen to people and it's not considered important enough to be news, but this particular crime he did, he was not expecting it to blow up because everything else that he did he'd managed to lie and worm his way out of and then it just disappeared he didn't have to worry about the consequence of it it but this everyone in the country was looking at him and saying you fucking pedo Mm -hmm. and he'd never had to face up to the consequences of his actions before and he couldn't Take it. He doesn't know how to navigate that. Exactly. He he's like the consequences of my actions. I have to. They've caught him. up to me. Adult. <laughs> yeah. <No. laughs> he was not What's cool with it. What's accountability when I can just lie? Exactly. No. no more. So, 
he was going to actually have to face the consequences to his actions this time around. Mm. His defense team sent a statement to the prosecution stating that Holly and Jessica entered his house. They did not leave alive. They were transported in the boot of his car. He put them into the ditch. He removed their clothing. He set fire to the girls. He he took the clothes back to the hangar where he put the clothes into the bin and set fire to that. This was the first time that he had admitted to anything. Mm -hmm. He still did not reveal or admit any cause of death or reason for their deaths, but he admitted to disposing of the girls' bodies and that they died in his house. This was huge for the prosecution. The only tiny bit of control that Huntley had left was his control over the narrative. Mm -hmm. So he was going to seize it by making a statement. Now it's trial time. It's really interesting to note that this trial took place in court number one in the Old Bailey. The Old Bailey is the most famous criminal court in the UK, which opened in 1907. I actually thought it was older than that, so I was quite surprised when I saw it was only 1907. Mm -hmm. Having the trial take place in this particular court proved to the eagerly awaiting public how seriously the Crown Court was taking this case, Mm -hmm. and it probably put the fear of God in Ian Huntley. I hope so. He was fucked. (laughs) The media presence for this trial was enormous. If the media had descended on Soham during the hunt for the girls, then this was even worse. Everyone wanted to see Ian Huntley get what he deserved. Absolutely. He quickly became the most hated man in the country. Absolutely. It lit touch paper at this point. Yes. The country was just... Yeah, everybody wanted blood. Yeah. So, and Maxine Carr quickly became the most hated woman in the country. She got demonized a lot. She had it worse than him in terms of the media. Like people, like the the newspapers and the the, sort of the news in general, Mm -hmm. the press, they were harder on her. Mm. The press absolutely ripped her apart. Certainly, okay, with the benefit fraud and making an alibi her for her abusive pedo boyfriend is bad, mm-hmm. but she was abused herself by him. Mm-hmm. I remember when this happened, yeah. and she was made out to be the new Myra Hindley. Yeah, I, I expect that. everyone listening will know who Myra Hindley is. Mm-hmm. Basically, she loved murdering kids, if you don't know. Yeah. Maxine Carr is not the same. No. They are not the same people. But people wanted someone to blame. And Maxine Carr was incredibly vilified by the media. I think because she's a woman. And because when it comes to to cases of child abuse or child murder, and it's and a woman is involved in some way, it's mm-hmm. seen as especially heinous because women are supposed to have this like maternal instinct or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I think because she was a teaching assistant because she's a, a young woman and she covered for this guy. She was seen to betray all that. Exactly. So she was seen to be the opposite of, ev- mm-hmm. of what everyone thinks a woman should be. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying that she didn't do anything wrong, but I definitely no, no, think okay. that the vilification was disproportionate to the crime that she actually committed. Oh, definitely. Um, yeah, but yeah, I didn't realise that at the time because mm-hmm. I was 12. <laughs> yes. And as well, like, if... If every news outlet is telling you the same thing, yeah. you believe it because you mm-hmm. you believe what you're told by people you think are reliable. Mm-hmm. And I know that especially if my mom is listening to this and she hears me say that I don't think Maxine Carr is actually that bad, I'm probably going to get disowned. I'm never going to get a Christmas yeah. present ever yeah. again because yeah. that's how people feel about her in this country. People hate her. They Still, do. 20 years on, people hate that woman so yeah. much. Yeah. yeah. And... She didn't honestly really do anything. She was sort yeah. of just there. Mm-hmm. And she she wasn't even in Soham when it happened. She yeah, was in she Grimsby. She didn't come car. back till two days after Ian Huntley had killed them and disposed of the body. She wasn't even there. Oh. Anyway. 
The trial began. Begun. Fuck. <laughs> The trial began on the 5th of November 2003. Huntley entered a plea of not guilty to two charges of murder and Carr was charged with two counts of assisting an offender and one count of perverting the course of justice. While the trial was happening, the jury took a visit to Ian Huntley's house and the site where the girls' bodies were dumped. Mm. On this day, the whole town of Soham actually closed. Wow. Schools closed, businesses closed, the media presence was enormous and it was a very sombre, eerie day. Yeah, I can't imagine that being any type of fun. No, it was not the kind of school trip that you want. Not at all, no. The trial revealed a few new things. Jessica's phone was never found and we have no idea what happened to it after it was turned off at 6.46pm. Unexpectedly, yeah. Ian Huntley actually testified. Oh, so usually, defence teams want to keep their defendants off the stand yeah, they do. to avoid them being cross-examined and ripped a new butthole by the prosecution. Yeah. However, this wasn't the case here. Yeah. Ian Huntley was on the stand for two and a half days. What? Two yeah. and a half days? Two and a half days. I know he likes to talk about himself, but what the fuck was he saying in He this? had a lot to say. About himself or the case? About just... <laughs> uh, we will get there. We will get that. We are going there. I... So, you know when you catch a child doing something that they're not supposed to do and they come up with a really elaborate shitty story about how it was actually an accident or the pet did it or something yeah. else happened and it just ends up being the most ridiculous nonsense you've ever heard. Mm-hmm. That's what he did on the stand. Mm. In the Old Bailey. So in the biggest criminal court case that this country has seen for decades. That's so disrespectful to the law. It's My embarrassing. God. He's an embarrassment. I can't even. So he ended up coming what up with this convoluted tale. Would you like to hear it? Oh, I'd love to. Is it going to take you two and a half days to tell me? No, it's it's literally a very small paragraph. Brilliant. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, but but this, imagine this is stretched out over two and a half exactly. days. Two and a half Days. days. You can get a lot done in two and a half days. So the girls walked past Ian Huntley's house. Right. And he was washing the dog. Right. And this poor dog. <laughs> yeah. So this dog was just getting an outside bath, you know. And they yeah. were walking past and Holly got a nosebleed. Just out of the... Just bam. Was there. she nose? Blood everywhere. I don't know. He invited them in so that she could take care of it. So yeah. he was like, oh no, your nose is bleeding. Come inside. I'll help you. And they were like, mm-hmm. okay. So... He took them both up to the bathroom because that's where the sink was and he got some toilet paper and he was like helping her. Right. What up? What about right? the kitchen? Just, just, I know, just I'm stick listening. with me, okay? Yep. Right. While they were in the bathroom, Holly slipped oh, of she did. and fell into a full bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> was that for the dog? Yeah. And then he changed his mind. It was just like, wait, no, wait, 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 wait. So like I said, he was bathing the dog outside. Yeah. So Holly... While she was having her nose tended to, yeah. she just slipped, like, on banana a banana peel. peel. <laughs> like, yeah, that was weird, but okay. She, and then she landed in this tub full of water, in a bathtub full of water. In the bathroom. In the bathroom. Right. And she immediately drowned. Oh, wow. That's yeah. the quickest drowning I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that happened. Yeah, so she fell in and then bam, dead. Okay. Right. So Ian yeah. was like, oh, no. Yeah. This is really bad. Jessica started screaming Fair. because Holly just fell into a bath and drowned. And then just drowned. Yeah. So she's freaking out. And Ian's like, oh no, she's screaming. So he puts his hand over her mouth to stop her from screaming and she's suffocated to death. Whoa. Just like, Instantly. just like that, right? Oof. Just like, oh shit, no. No, there's two dead kids in my bathroom. Ah! Oh no. So then he was like, fuck, 
what am I going to do? I've got like 8 billion rape charges against me. This is going to look really bad because I'm a pedo. Oh no. So he hid the bodies out of fear that because obviously everyone's going to think I killed them. I better hide them. Yeah, she just drowned accidentally in the bath. Yeah, and this one, like I touched her and she just suffocated. No, how's, how's no one gonna believe me? I feel like Ian Molly at this, this moment, it's who has done this? <laughs> he's like, you know, in cartoons when the Grim Reaper touches someone and they just die? Yeah. I feel like that's what he's trying to explain happened in this yeah, moment. Yeah, I think that's all his brain can comprehend. Yeah. So, this is some like hardcore bullshit right here. It's Absolutely. like, you know, like Looney Tunes level ridiculous? Yeah. Like, yeah, so unsurprisingly, nobody believed him. But he spent two and a half days telling this story. I, I can't. I, two and a half days? So the fact remains, though, that Huntley, in both versions of his story, whether it's the nonsense he told his girlfriend on the phone mm-hmm. or the nonsense he told on the stand, yeah. places Holly and Jessica in the bathroom yeah. and in the bedroom. Whatever happened inside the house, it's likely that these are key places. Definitely. So that's something that you need to remember. The really? prosecution suggested that Ian Huntley had invited the girls into his home to sexually assault them. Mm-hmm. The prosecutor persisted and repeated it over and over again. Right. At this point, it was too much for Huntley and he lost his temper, shouting at the prosecutor. Oh. He lost <gasps> his temper on the stand oh. and shouted at the prosecutor. The prosecutor, Richard Latham, then calmly asked him, quote, Did you lose your temper like that that night? end quote it showed everyone who ian huntley was yeah it showed what he was hiding and -hmm. what he unleashed on people he thought were weaker than him Mm -hmm. he could suddenly turn from being someone who is calm and in control to someone else i'm glad he snapped because it showed that characteristic it showed it in front of a courtroom full of people Another theory has come out which does sound credible and is reminiscent of his 1997 rape of the girl in Grimsby after he'd been rejected by somebody else. Mm. So phone records show that he had been on the phone with Maxine shortly before Holly and Jessica walked by the house. Mm. And when I say shortly, we're talking like minutes. Wow. Like real close. Yeah. So Maxine has revealed that this phone call was actually an argument. So it's believed that he was enraged from this argument and frustrated because a woman oh, was arguing with him yeah. and he couldn't control her at yeah, that particular moment it. physically because she was in Grimsby. So he couldn't like beat her for arguing with him. Yeah. And then he just saw two little girls. And he was like, the other ones? Yeah, that he could take his anger out on and the rest is just history. So Maxine Carr testified in her own defense following this. Mm. So she's like, I'm going to take my stand for my charges. Yeah. She was questioned by her own defence as to what she discovered when she came home from Grimsby following the girl's disappearance. And this is interesting. Ooh. So Carr discovers that her abusive, shitty boyfriend had washed the bedding. It's probably the first time he's ever done that. <laughs> I've just Carr discovered that her abusive, shitty boyfriend had washed the bedding and cleaned parts of the house. Yeah. Carr testified that this was the first time <laughs> he had washed their bedding. It's also reminiscent of when Josh Powell makes pancakes. Yes. So for anyone that hasn't listened to the three part that we did on Susan Cox Powell, fucking listen to it because it's really interesting. It's probably the favorite episodes that we've done for for me. Um, That's a case that I could just talk about all day long. I love Mm -hmm. it. Um, I actually got to, which was great. (laughs) Um, But yeah, Josh Powell making Susan pancakes was a huge red flag for like that whole fucking family. And in this case, she's come home. And the bed sheets are clean. It's another regular domestic thing that exactly. should be normal and it isn't. Yeah. It's sad. 
she actually thought that it was because he'd been cheating on her oh. and she and that he had another woman in the house. She also noticed, okay. this is interesting, the bathtub had a crack in it, <gasps> which wasn't there when she'd left. Oh, that's creepy. Yeah. Oh, so she, I, like I think she thought if there'd been another woman in the house, they could have been a bit energetic in the bath. Yeah, fair. But knowing what we what know, we know. Yeah, yeah, about Holly and Jessica and there being something to do with the bathroom. Mm-hmm. A crack in the bath it doesn't sound nothing consensual happened in there nothing good happened in there no. she also claims that she tried to convince her boyfriend to go to the police and tell them what she believed to be the truth that holly okay. got a nosebleed he helped them both inside the house and then they went on their way yeah. so she's saying that after he told that to her she yeah. was like you should go and tell the police that so then everything's out in the open and they know yeah because that he... by itself sounds relatively normal uh... Not for him. Yeah, I know. Not for like for him. any other person. That's maybe. what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. Um, he refused, saying that he could lose his job for having two children in his house because he's a school caretaker. Mm. She was also aware of one of his previous rape accusations and was worried that he would be accused of this too if the police knew that they'd been present in the home. Mm. Maxine Carr was found to be guilty of perverting the course of justice but not guilty of assisting an offender. Because before they were both arrested, the court believed that she did not know he was actually guilty of the crime. Yeah. So her assisting an offender wasn't assisting someone that she knew to be a criminal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she served three and a half years in prison and was released with a new identity. She mm. needed this new identity because yeah, most of the country now saw her as being worse than Ian Huntley for some reason. She was basically known everywhere as being a child killer, despite the fact that all she definitely did for sure was give a false alibi for an abusive guy she thought was cheating on her. Mm-hmm. Ian Huntley was found guilty of two counts of murder and sentenced to a minimum of 40 years. He's still in prison Ooh. and will hopefully die there one day. Yeah. He isn't due to be up for parole until 2042, so he's still got a while to go yet. So he's halfway. Yeah. When he was found to be guilty, Leslie Chapman, Jessica's dad, said the following, quote, I think he was a time bomb waiting to go off, and both our girls were in the wrong place at the wrong time. I hope the next time I see him, it will be like we saw our daughters, and it will be in a coffin, end quote. Ooh. That's the most oh, badass like shit. Like, like this that. fucking guy. Yes. I read it, and I was like, fuck yes, Leslie yeah. Chapman. You, you know go what? off. When when parents lose their children, I think it's absolutely fair that they be a little bit savage. To the I think that, that this away. is a controversial and like, sort yeah. of like, not very like and diplomatic. This is not it. a very civilized opinion, but I really do think mm. that if you kill someone's kids, their parents should be allowed to be left in a room with you. Definitely, like, and I they should be like, allowed to do what they want mm-hmm, to you. Mm-hmm. Like, that's very uncivilized. Yeah, but I fully kind of think that that's fair. I get that. Yes. Anyway, obviously, there is one question that keeps lingering in everyone's minds long after the trial is done. Mm. How on earth did a predator like Ian Huntley get a job at a school? Yeah. How was he put in a position where he was able to be close to young girls? Uh Like, fucking how did that even happen? Mm -hmm. Like we mentioned before, he was aware of his record and he used his mother's maiden name when applying for jobs. And that was literally it. Yeah. He didn't do much else to hide himself. It's frustrating and unsettling to know that schools don't really do any background checks for their employees before they're hired. Well, they do now. Yeah, but back then they didn't. 
So seemingly. people, the thing is that people around him that knew him knew his name was Ian Hunley. Mm. So they, they knew who he was. And this showed that there was clearly a huge problem in how people were being vetted when applying to work with children. Mm. The fact that a monster like this with such a long history of assault was able to slip through the net was a massive issue. Yeah. A huge investigation was done into the procedures around checks and how agencies communicate with each other, which clearly was not very well at it the time. Not, no. At the time, we had no central database in this country. Wow. So because Ian Huntley moved around quite a lot to avoid his accusations, each new place mm. he moved to had no idea about what he'd done anywhere else. Yeah. The CRB and DBS were launched as a result of what happened to Holly and Jessica. Oh, wow. The CRB is the Criminal Records Bureau, and mm. DBS is the Disclosure and Barring Service Check. Both are huge leaps forward, and since the inquiry, the procedures around employment with children have tightened significantly. Great. Not only that, but police forces collaborate now, sharing information with one another on a centralized system. Nice. Meaning that no matter how someone moves from place to place, we should always be able to track what kind of offences they've been accused of and charged with elsewhere. That's good. It also brings me lots of joy to tell you that Ian Huntley has been having a shitty time of it in prison. Yay! So in 2010, <laughs> oh, I will tell you, with a <laughs> smile on my face. Yay. So in 2010, another inmate called Damien Folks attacked him and yeah. actually cut his throat. Ooh! Yeah, I know, spicy. I know. So Huntley had to go to hospital because his injuries were pretty rough. Yeah. Good. Turns out that Damien has a bit of a thing against pedophiles. Oh. He himself is an armed robber. And not only <laughs> not only that. has he attacked Ian Huntley, but yeah. he also strangled another child murderer, Colin Hatch, with bedsheets while Ooh. in a different high security prison. I, I kind of like this. I know, I kind of do as well. Prison so justice. I'm not going to say he's doing a good thing because no. that's kind of inflammatory. Yeah. But I'm not going to say he's doing a bad thing. No, not bad at all. Yeah, so like, I'm just going to be like, you know what, what Damien... <laughs> he is. Technically, that's true. Yeah, I can't slit Ian Huntley's throat in high security prison, but he can, and he did. Mm -hmm. So thank you, (laughs) thanks, fella. You've done us a service. (laughs) Sources more recently have said that Ian Huntley is a quote skinny old man. No, I bet he's aged badly. He's pretty pathetic and spends a lot of his time wandering around complaining. A couple of years ago, a couple of years ago, he told a guard to fuck off and kicked him, and he got landed in solitary confinement for it. Oh my god! And here I just wrote, "Good lol." That's very lol, though. He's just like wandering around the prison, like complaining, like, I don't want to be in here. I want to clean stuff and, you know, pretend to clean stuff so I can look at children. It's like, yeah. This is a center wrong to you. You're in prison. No so, one gives a fuck about what you want. No one gives a fuck. <laughs> so, Maxine Carr served her three and a half years and she was released with a new identity. Mm-hmm. Every now and then she gets recognized and has to move again. Aww. To listeners in the UK, this might be a controversial opinion, but I feel like Maxine Carr got fucking shafted. Yeah, absolutely. The media absolutely vilified her. I remember the press at the time. Mm. And until I actually looked into this case, I assumed that she helped him with all sorts of shit. Yeah. And I remember seeing the picture yeah. and seeing, like, evil next Yeah, because that's what it was made out and to be. Just, like, honestly, yeah. before I started researching into this, I didn't think that she helped kill them. I thought for sure that she was there when mm. it happened. Yeah. I thought that she hid evidence. I thought that she was, like, really covering from, like, hard. Yeah. And it turns out that she didn't really fucking do anything. No, and she didn't really want to cover for him either. No, she just... Because she wanted him to be honest, it was that he yeah, wasn't going to exactly. Um, She wasn't even in Soham when Huntley killed Holly and Jessica, and she didn't get back until two days later. Yeah. By that point, he'd already disposed of the bodies and cleaned the house. Mm-hmm. So I don't think that Maxine Carr is a perfect victim, no. but I do believe that she is also a victim of Ian Huntley. Definitely. 
And fortunately, he can't hurt anyone else. Because since he literally turned 18, he's been... He's been harassing, abusing, grooming, taking advantage of Mm -hmm. women in sort of vulnerable situations, but mostly children. And the fact that he is going to be spending until he's 68 in prison is like good. You don't deserve those 40 years. No, you don't. So I'm just really glad that he cannot hurt anyone else. But yeah, I didn't realise until I researched this just mm. how much he did before. Yeah, I, I really wasn't aware of yeah, I, history. Yeah, but yeah, he'd, he was a serial predator. Mm-hmm, for sure. Like, 11 children that he had sexual interactions with. It's 11 absolutely children. And that's the ones that we know of. I was going to say that's the ones that have spoken up. But yeah, he's clearly a prolific abuser. Yeah, there's nothing that would ever stop him. Nothing, nothing. Because, I mean, each thing he did was just getting worse and worse and worse. And it's literally, Mm -hmm. like, like Jessica's dad was right. He was a time bomb. Yeah. And it was literally a matter of time until he escalated and killed somebody. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be these two poor little girls. he probably would have killed them. Oh. In my opinion. Oh, for sure. If he had got, because he got away with everything else. Yeah. And then he just kept going. If he had got, if the police had never caught up to him, I think Mm -hmm. that he would have moved from Salem to somewhere else and then just carried on doing the same shit and he would have become a serial killer. I fully think so. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, he's really fucking thick and he couldn't (laughs) even do this right. He was too full of himself and narcissistic. So arrogant, such a narcissist, but also very stupid. Very dumb. So fortunately, bad with planning. He got caught real quick. Yes. Thank God for that. And no one else was hurt. And no one else has been hurt since. But yeah, and I mean, the good thing about this investigation is that we now have much tighter security around employing people that work with children. We have a lot more checks. We have a lot more procedures. And it does make things more difficult for people trying to get jobs that can be a bit faffy. Mm -hmm. But it's infinitely worth it. Yeah. Because it prevents horrible people like this getting close to our fucking kids. Mm -hmm. So, Yeah. That's that's all I have on this wow. case. That's it. So that's Brilliant. that's part two of Holly Wells and Jessica Chapman. Um, we have covered one of our country's yeah. fucking monsters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I hope that you've enjoyed our telling of this horrible story. I've really enjoyed hearing it because it's been a long time since I've heard them. Yeah. We talked about Yeah, it's, it's been a while it's since. It's nice that they're yeah. not completely forgotten. No, they're definitely not forgotten. Because Everyone knows who they are. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows their knows their photo, knows their faces. Um yeah, and hopefully if you've listened all the way to the end, you've you've enjoyed hearing about them. Yeah. Please leave us a rating, a nice one. Five stars. Five stars, please. Pretty please. Um, please follow us on Instagram. It's Creeps and Crime Storytime. Send us a Gmail if you have a case recommendation mm-hmm. or if you just want to say hi at creepsandcrimestorytime at gmail.com. And yeah, that's it. Have a gorgeous Sunday. Mm-hmm. Have a lovely have a, have a lovely week ahead. And we'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye-bye. Bye.